We all face hurdles in our lives, and sometimes they can seem simply insurmountable. If this has ever happened to you, we recommend you check out today's sponsor, the Changed My Mind Kid trope. Now, I can personally attest to the power of this trope. I use it in my day-to-day life. Whenever I find myself or my loved ones overwhelmed or worn out, that's when I use the trope. It's simple, really. At the moment of maximum peril, simply turn to your loved ones, admit defeat, and give up. It's that easy. And this is where the brilliance of the Change My Mind Kid trope comes in. While you fade into the background of life, everyone else will continue to solve your problem. All you need to do is show up at the last second, declare, I changed my mind, kid, and help make that final push. Voila, problem solved. Warning, the Change My Mind Kid trope will not work for all people. Clinical studies have shown that the Change My Mind Kid trope works best for individuals who are not the protagonists of life. If you are a natural leader or have found yourself at the center of an important drama, please consult your therapist before taking the Change My Mind Kid trope. Hey people, welcome back to Cinema Gush. We are here for another action-packed episode where we're talking about, about uh, a, a really good movie, like like a really good movie, like one of the best Disney movies in a long, long time. Uh, Lishko, you want to introduce our guest in our movie? I absolutely do. Right now, we are live with Bill Tilius. He's currently a part-time lecturer in the philosophy department at American Public University. But his main area of research revolves around the development of a phenomenological... Bill, can you just say that word for me, please? Phenomenological. Thank you. Ethical theory through the study of such... One more time. Phenomenological. (laughs) Thinkers as Edmund Husserl, Max Shaler, who is my friggin' hero, and Edith Stein, while also attempting to borrow insights from the Aristotelian and scholastic traditions of philosophy. He's a graduate of the New School for Social Research in Franciscan University. He is... My old roommate, Bill Tullius. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure so, to be here. Bill, does that mean... <laughs> yeah, it's good to have you, man. <laughs> Do you need um, a doctor to say this word? Is that is that how that works? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I mean, PhD, you, you spend at least three years honing the proper pronunciation so that it just sort of rolls off the tongue. So that I you mean, can say I... pharmacanalogic <laughs> knuckle. Oh, my right? gosh. Is that close? <laughs> you nailed it on the first try. Mm. We'll run with uh, it. I mean, mm. I get that it, it's it's the study of phenomena, which I can say from a philosophical perspective, but I couldn't put it together. <laughs> okay, so Bill, Bill, Bill. <laughs> I gave that whole intro just to say this guy is a, has an amazing PhD and he studies something that's super high above me and he has chosen the movie Moana. Bill, why do you Bill, love Moana? talk about <laughs> Moana. Uh, well, I have to, uh, I have to, premise this um by by saying that uh i have four small children and uh so the movies i tend to watch really since eight years ago when our firstborn was born (laughs) um they don't tend to be the really intellectual movies that uh, i maybe once watched (laughs) um so yeah i know what you mean exactly no um (laughs) So Moana is probably the best movie that I have seen in quite a long time. And Brandon, I have to agree with you entirely that Moana is probably the best Disney movie that has ever been made. I'm willing to defend that claim. Um, I, I really, since the early '90s, there's nothing that comes close. At the very I mean, least, for the yeah. record, in college, Bill, I'm pretty sure it was Sleeping Beauty for both of us. Is that not correct? That is correct. Yes. Um, Okay. I, I, well, I, I, I do want to get I do into sh- this wanna... argument because <laughs> it would it would go down lots of different rabbit holes. But um, I might we be willing to say that Moana is even a better movie than the classic Sleeping Beauty. 
But what? again, wow. rabbit Big holes. Words. We don't we don't need to do that. But <laughs> I will answer the so question. I, I do want to say really quick. I want to I, I want to respond to you because you got four kids at home. How often is Moana on in your house? It's been a while, um, and I've been agitating really? to change that. But we've gotten into this routine hmm. every week. Every Friday we have a movie night, and uh, hmm. the kids rotate choosing the movie, and we've been Who watching a lot of Cars. And a lot of Cars. I so in my house also with four young kids. The two movies that are played probably once a week are Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Moana. I think I've seen this movie more than any other movie in the last decade. Wow. So I was really excited when you picked it. And I didn't expect to enjoy watching it again as much as I did. So, But no, I'm sorry. You gush. Gush, okay. Bill. Why right. do you like I'm, this movie? Please, yes. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this. And I have to preface this by saying that I don't know much of anything about Polynesian mythology. Um, so I don't know how faithful Moana is to, generally speaking, a Polynesian mythos. But what I love about the movie is a few different things. One, the movie itself really links up with a lot of mythological traditions just generally. And I've really come to love mythological traditions uh, really over the last few years. It's, it's I think, really deepened my own thought in so many ways and, and uh, benefited me as a, as a person really diving into mythology and not just mythology, but philosophical connections with um, the, the ancient myths. Um, so Moana, as, as you look at the, the movie, um, there are so many elements that will link up to the Greek or to the, the Scandinavian myths. Um, but I think what's really meaningful about that is that myths have always been efforts at disclosing truth and it's not efforts to disclose truth the way that that's often thought of and, and the kind of the most popular um let's say pop theory of mythology is that well the myths were they were efforts of early and primitive unsophisticated uncultured uncivilized uh humanity trying to explain in a kind of quasi-scientific way what um, what those natural phenomena we see around us, where they come from, what, what brought them about. Like a uh, volcano is erupting, so it must be a god that's responsible for that or something. It's really not what the myths were about. The myths were about attempting to delineate and disclose truths about human experience and especially experience of the divine and experience of the soul. And I think that it's exactly that that you get out of the movie Moana um, because, and for anyone who's listening, who maybe hasn't watched the movie or hasn't watched it in a while, Moana is a Polynesian tale about a girl um, named Moana, who's going to be a, a, a hero, although she doesn't know it yet at the beginning. Um, but the, the story opens with a kind of overview of sort of mythological past um, where there's this demigod Maui, who, should remind us a lot of Hercules uh, from the classic Greek myths, but also reminds us a lot of Prometheus from the classic Greek myths, because he's this demigod who goes to um, the uh, abode of, uh, I, if I'm remember, remembering right, it's the goddess Tefiti, 
um, who is equivalent to a Greek Gaia, Mother Earth sort of figure. And he steals her heart. He steals the power to create life in order to give that power to humanity. Very much like a Prometheus taking the fire of Olympus down to human beings. Um, and just like in the Greek myths, when Prometheus does that, Zeus gets angry. Well, when Maui steals Tefiti's heart, Tefiti turns into this alternative, um, alternative persona uh, named Taka. And we're not sure, we don't know at the beginning that Taka and Tefiti are the same entity, but Taka is this dark, disordered, rage-filled being that in the absence of her heart, disorder is beginning to spread throughout the whole of the cosmos um, as, as we understand it this, this, in this Polynesian context. Um, and what that means is that there's this darkness that's beginning to spread and, and it's killing off all of the uh, wildlife. Um, and eventually Moana, who lives on this small island, has to try to find a way to reverse the curse that Maui has brought upon humanity and upon the world as a whole. So she goes on this quest, but at the beginning, there's this sort of evident tension in her own individual life. She's um, an individual who doesn't seem to fit into her broader social context, and she's unprepared to play the role that has been designated for her by her birth. She's the, the daughter of the, the, the chieftain, and it's her destiny to take on leadership for her community. Um, but at the same time, she wants to travel across the ocean, but this isn't allowed. Um, so this is tension between her and her community, her and her father. Um, and eventually this breaks down um, into more or less open father-daughter conflict like we're probably used to seeing on, on TV and movies. Um, mm -hmm. But what's really interesting is that um, eventually we discover that uh, there's this, this prohibition on crossing the ocean. The, the, her father has, has prohibited it because he had a bad experience. Uh, his uh, best friend died while they tried to cross the reef, and, and uh, he doesn't want that to happen to his people anymore. So they're all just sort of locked into this island. They can't leave it. Moana eventually has to, uh, and largely at the instigation of her grandmother, who um, is this kind of shamanistic character. She doesn't quite fit into the society either, but at the same time, she has this role to play. As... Best character in the movie by far. Yeah, my favorite yeah. character too. Yeah, real, um, sorry, real quick. Kind of, just, I love her the most. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> she's kind of a, <laughs> the um, inheritor of the, of the tribal traditions and myths, and she's the one who passes it on to the next generation. And it's through her instigation that Moana eventually makes her way, one, to the discovery that her people used to be a, a seafaring people, um, and two, uh, that uh, she has this special mission to carry the heart of Tefiti back to Tefiti herself with Maui as her um, guide and uh, protector. She finds Maui um, with the help of the ocean, who, again, uh, incidentally is um, a god, um, which mirrors the Greek uh, Greek myth, uh, the ocean. Okay. Also, a little, just a little bit of the myth of Flubber. Oh, for God's <laughs> that, sake! That ancient American myth, Robin. Robin I'm sorry. I, Go ahead. Okay. No, I'm that's that's <laughs> um, In Greek mythology, Okeanos is this god that represents the limit 
of the cosmos. He's, he's imagined as a river that runs the whole orbit of the Earth. Um, and beyond Okeanos is the unknown. It's not just the unknown in the sense of we haven't explored it yet. It's the unknown in the sense of the uncrossable. Um, so Moana is being aided by a divine force, the ocean, to cross what is uncrossable. Um, but it's uncrossable in the Greek myths because um, to cross Okeanos means to enter the abode of the gods. And that's precisely what Moana is doing too. But she can't do it on her own. She needs a demigod to help her. She needs the divine force that lies behind the order of her cosmos. We're told in the in the movie that Maui is responsible for the shaping of the cosmos. He's the one who gives them the coconut. He's the one that, that forms the islands and all the rest. So she needs this divine help in order to fulfill this task. Um, and there's tension, there's conflict, there's failure um, until we get to this turning point in the movie. And I think it's one of the most beautiful scenes that Disney probably has ever written. Um, and uh, what happens is that Moana and Maui make an attempt to um, return the heart to Defiti, but this divine force, Taka, stops them and almost destroys Maui in the process and the source of his power. Um, they get blown back, we're probably led to imagine, hundreds of miles away, um, out in the middle of the ocean, and Maui says it's over, he's not going to help anymore, he leaves Moana alone. And in the midst of her loneliness and despair, the spirit of Moana's grandmother, who at the very beginning of the movie had died, comes to her and leaves her with a kind of choice. Either she can go back um, to her island, or she can once again embrace this divine mission that's been given to her. And Moana chooses to go on with her mission, but one of the most powerful lines in the whole movie is it comes when Moana sings about her choice as bound up with the discovery of who she is and the true nature of the call that had been given to her. She always imagined that call as being this call of the ocean to kind of explore and go beyond. But what she says, or rather sings at that point is that um, what she's discovered is the call wasn't out there at all. It was inside her. And it wasn't inside her in the sense of this is just this desire that she had and, and uh, she's discovering herself as a sort of, as we moderns tend to think of the self, the sort of lone, isolated individual. What she discovers and who she is is a part of, of a community and a tradition. She's not discovering herself to be this isolated individual who's different from the rest of her tribe. She's discovering herself to be the inheritor of a long tradition of voyagers who've crossed the ocean in search of divine presence. Um, because that call occurs to her at the point where her own soul is permeable to the divine. Um, and with that knowledge, she is now armed to go and try to fulfill this mission, even if it destroys her in the process. And of course, Maui comes back to, and and rescues her in, in the decisive moment. She returns the heart to Tefiti with the recognition that Tefiti also has this narrative about her of requiring a sort of rediscovery of who she is in having her heart returned to her. And the movie ends with this, I think, really powerful vision of 
humanity um, that's very different from our modern preconceptions that we're just individuals. We decide who we are. We make ourselves. It's, it's not the case. What we are, who we are, is a function of an inherited story. And part of that story is as the Greeks and the, the um, Polynesians and as the, uh, the Norse, all of the mythological traditions understood, part of that story is this openness, this discovery of the divine. So that is why I love Moana. Um, it, it Holy crap, it captures dude, all of that. Well said. <laughs> oh my gosh, like when you, so real quick, I, I have some other things I wanted to gush about with this movie, but when you mentioned that internal versus the external, like it really threw me back to that moment when they were in the, uh, the realm of the monsters, mm -hmm. the Tamatoa, because he truly represents that external aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like the shininess on the outside of what is out there, what is external, like that calls back to that oh my gosh yeah I'm, which Ew. which also that oh, that was that awesome whole yeah episode is is also a part of what makes moana not just any old myth but also a repetition of the epic cycle because in the epics there's always this interlude of of having to go down into an underworld um yeah and that's exactly mm. what the the realm of monsters and and uh, tamatoa represents there is moana has to in part to discover her own um her own courage her own ingenuity she has to go down into that underworld and um prove herself just like um uh just like aeneas and the aeneid just like odysseus and the odyssey etc yeah one thing i really liked about one other thing that you mentioned with the grandmother sequence towards the end when she kind of comes back um, the first time she has that powerful moment with her grandma when her grandma's talking about wanting to be a Manoran, hope she chose the right tattoo, and um, Moana kind of goes back to the village, and she goes, oh, okay, and she's like, well, what is it you wanted to say to me? She's like, well, nothing, nothing, and she's like, well, no, like, what is it? Like, Moana kind of keeps pressing her grandmother to say the thing that she needs to hear, like that extra bit mm -hmm. of, you know, okay, yeah, you're right, go on and go ahead. But then when she comes back with the grandmother again later, the grandmother doesn't give her that moment that she needs to hear in a way like she gives her the opportunity to say, okay, you can go home. She doesn't then, you know, she doesn't then like, well, well, what is it you want me to, or what is it you want me to hear? What is it that you want mm -hmm. to say? She actually decides for herself without the, um, it's that trope, the old mentor kind of giving right. them the path that they should be taking. She chooses right. for herself. Um, and I love that. I love that call. Yeah. Back. And because in, in I a can sense... honestly say, well, no, I, I I just I, I just wanted to point out that having watched this, like I said before, more than any movie in ten years, I, none of that has ever occurred to me. <laughs> yes. But w one of the one of the things that always strikes me while watching this movie, and I didn't actually make this connection until listening to you talk about this, is at the that first song at the beginning is one of the most optimistic, hopeful, loving songs ever, where the happiness is where mm -hmm. we're found is where we found where we are, right? Finding happiness in this everyday mundane life. And it never seems like the movie is criticizing that while she's called to go out. And, and to me, most Disney movies, as it progresses, would criticize that mm -hmm. to a certain degree. And it didn't occur to me until you brought up that scene where she finds out that calling's inside of herself as she's doing that sacrificially for her people. Right. That, that the both things are true in that case. Right. Yeah, and especially that lyric in that song represents all three of us because the old three old men say, who needs a new song? This old one's all we need. And Bill doesn't listen to music past the 90s. It all comes together. <laughs> it all makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, Bill, please go ahead. Well, 
now I've lost my train, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, Milana, it, it, I think the reason why we don't, we don't then go back to criticize that viewpoint of, of just finding happiness where you are is because as Moana has, again, that pivotal scene, she's singing about who she is and the call and, and all the rest. But who she is, she tells a story. She doesn't just say, well, I'm Moana. I mean, she builds up to that, that line, I am Moana. But, mm-hmm. but she doesn't just say that because to say who Moana is is to say she's the daughter of the village chief. She's descended from voyagers. And, and she tells the story of her people. Because who she is, is mm. a part of that story. And as she discovers the call in herself that's been there the whole time, sort of built, bound up with that story, in a sense, she does find her happiness where she is. Because she takes that tradition and that people, in a mm. sense, along with her. Um, yes. So I think that that's, that's why there okay. is, there's not a challenging of that find happiness where you are sort of mentality it's a sort of deepening of it by recognizing that who she is where she is is both open to that tradition and also in being open to that tradition is also open to a beyond that she's crossing that beautiful both ends. yeah yeah exactly and after that first song that she sings with that you know i who she is and this calling and all those things immediately the ocean kicks her butt and throws her back on land i love that (laughs) (laughs) this quest ain't gonna be easy as all the movies trying to say right i can say with i think fairly confidence that none of us would neither of us would have come up with any of that (laughs) so we're grateful that you're here talking this through because because good lord that was as good an analysis of a disney movie as i I knew I loved it. I could not have put any of that into context. Um, if, if you haven't yet written the book, Bill, about philosophical hot takes on Disney films, like you simply must. Like that's a Barnes and Noble well, bestseller right there. You could just you <laughs> could just come on our podcast every other sure, week. Sure, no, and we can promote the book. I, I, I admit, I have um, I have contemplated the idea of a Moana and philosophy book, like the Spider Man and philosophy. The, the those uh, yes, yeah. Yes. But I, I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm well, not the one who's going to write that. But I I definitely think that there is um, there's a lot there. That 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 definitely is a it, book that could be written. It's, it's one of those. Yeah, for sure. It, it's it's one of those movies that it 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 has a depth to it that I could see, but I wouldn't have been able to articulate anything like that. I I do think we should should point out a couple other aspects of the movie too. Mm-hmm. Man, is there is there a more gorgeous movie that has come out ever? Well, I think Coco probably can, is, is going to come close to that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, uh, yeah. Which incidentally, <laughs> I, so Coco's good. Incidentally, Coco has a lot of these same elements, which really makes me hopeful about sure. um, Disney and maybe the directions that they could go in producing new movies that might actually have depth and meaning. You know, more so than let's say Aladdin. Just saying. <laughs> oh! Whoa, whoa! Fighting words just oh! were rung out across the world. <laughs> Aladdin was my favorite movie as a kid. That was my movie that I watched. I over think he and over means again. the new I, one. I don't judge. I don't. Maybe. Oh maybe wait, a little hold, are judgment, you talking but... about animated Aladdin? Or are you talking about? I'm talking about new Aladdin. Or are you talking, talking about, about both, both Aladdins? Aladdins. Damn! <laughs> mm, mm, mm. <laughs> oh. Well, Bre- Brendan, please, what, well, are, guys, what did you want to point out? Tell unfortunately, me. Unfortunately, Bill Tulis is no longer welcome <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> no, I just, like, th- this movie, 
I mean, you buy an, a TV with HDR for this movie. You can taste yes. the colors through your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's one thing to have this beautiful message to be able to explore mythology and, and, and encouraging ideas to kids, but it's another to do that and also be gorgeous. Right. This is a movie with a great message and a great impact and a punch, and it's also just a delight to watch. And, and let's be clear, I, it also has Dwayne The Rock Johnson, so trifecta <laughs> and well yeah dwayne the rock johnson and jermaine Cl- jermaine, jermaine yeah. clement and Dying. mvp of the whole movie i say the grandma is my favorite character but the mvp of this movie is alan tudyuk oh my gosh as as hey hey and village as of three the, <laughs> the yes. little the clip of him recording hey hey and he exp- you can find it online a behind the scenes clip where he's basically making chicken sounds for half an hour and then he turns to the camera and says i went to juilliard <laughs> and then goes back to making chicken sounds great oh my gosh um but no i like i said we've watched this more than in just about any other movie this and spider-man um, into the spider-verse and just clarify because that's the only one worth watching every day um but you said we were gonna watch this and i thought i've seen it enough times i don't need to watch it again for this i sat down to watch it last night just because i feel like i should man it made me cry for the umpteenth time even after all these times i mm-hmm. there that moment when moana's mom walks in and her eyes are teared up I had to leave the room because I'm going to embarrass myself in front of my kids. <laughs> oh my it's, gosh, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's a delight of a movie to watch. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I sat there in rapt attention and I'll be happy to do it again tomorrow when the kids decide that's their Thanksgiving movie. Agree. I mean, I will say this uh, to gush a little bit about it. Before the movie even started, uh, for those who did not see Moana in theaters, uh, Disney and Pixar do this thing where they play shorts before the movie. There was one called Inner Workings. Mm-hmm that played before Moana, that was utterly delightful. There's like a little Franciscan friar in this guy's brain that made me laugh every time he popped up <laughs> on screen. So I fully support that. I want more studios to do that, play more shorts. They set the tone. I really wish more movies did that. Um, I mean, first off, it's, it's refreshing to have a Disney movie where the parents aren't dead by the time the movie's and over are with. Good people, and are right. good people. Like you like them. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the dad had like that moment with the fisherman in the beginning, but it's like, yeah, you, you understand his overprotectiveness which tends it was to a be... loving overprotectiveness, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's the Finding Nemo bit. It's you not know? malicious in any way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will say between the grandma... I, I couldn't figure out my favorite character between the grandma and the ocean because I kind of love all the stuff the ocean does in the movie as well. Um, to have that kind of quiet character that never speaks but through the actions and through the metamorphosis. It reminds me of Carpet from Aladdin, but we won't go into that. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. Have you seen Aladdin, Bill? <laughs> I have. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> continue, Mur- cont- Murph Lishko. Conti- continue, Lishko. <laughs> Murph was in the last episode for, with UHF. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, go listen to it. Um, yeah, no, I there were there were a lot of things that I really enjoyed about the movie. I I agree with the the visuals. I could almost like feel the sand when she crashed up on Maui's island because she was just covered in it. Um, the animation is just getting better and better every year. The effects are just getting better and better. The storytelling, especially at Disney, like you said, Bill has been getting consistently better through the years. And so um, mm. I kind of went into this thinking the first time I saw it was probably you know on my phone while also watching it with the wife. And after having really paid attention to it this time, I really did enjoy it. Um, I didn't know Lin-Manuel did the score as well as the lyrics to a bunch of the songs. Um, that explains a lot of- It um, shows. Yeah, it definitely does show. Um, and my last thought is, if you guys have never heard Declan screaming the lyrics to You're Welcome on YouTube, you're really missing out, because that's one of my favorite YouTube videos that exists. 
Absolutely. Uh, here's just a little bit of it. What can I say except you're welcome? And there it was. I just, I love that. <laughs> we'll throw that in post. I don't think we heard any of that. We'll throw okay. it in post. We'll throw <laughs> it in post. Okay. okay. Uh, Bill, will you pick a number for me between 1 and 785? 783. Oh, my gosh. That's a good number. <laughs> Special thanks to Della Saba. Let me see who this person is. So what we do at this Saba? what we do at this point in the show is that we go through the credits and this movie had a ton of people working on it and I put them all into an Excel sheet we have our guests pick a random number and now we're gonna look into see who that person is um, this is in the thanks category Della Saba it looks like she is an actress who has been in Zootopia and Ralph breaks the internet and a couple other things oh and she was in Pokemon and Guardians of the Galaxy the animated show. But mostly Zootopia, which I just love. Who was she? What was she in this? It was just she was thanks. Special thanks. Thanks. Oh, it was just special thanks. She wasn't even in this movie. But she was young Hops in Zootopia, so that's who she is. Interesting. Okay. So Della, thank you for your thank you for helping out with Moana. Whatever you did, whatever that special thanks is that you got, you inspired somebody. You did because they're and it shows. There are three thanks credits. There's thanks, special thanks, and additional thanks. And you are the only one who got special thanks. So from us, if you ever hear this, special thanks to help make, for helping thanks. make Moana amazing. Yeah, special thanks from us. That's all we it wanted was great. to say. Uh, yeah. And now for our final game. Bill, you pick a number between one and five. Three. Three. This is the part of the show where you have to say something nice about a movie that you don't like, and you told me some movies beforehand... And now, Bill, I need you to say something nice about the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Can I pick another number? (laughs) (laughs) Say something nice. I I think I can probably say something nice, but being a philosopher, I don't quite know how to do that without also layering in criticisms. So I I watched watched this movie on a... um, 13-hour flight. Australia. From, yes, to from, from the United States to Australia. And the nice thing I have to say about it is that it helped me pass the time. God, I knew somebody <laughs> would do that eventually. <laughs> but I have but, to uh, say that we're running into this consistently where I, I disagree with our guests about their disliked movies. But I respect your opinion because you passed the time well. I, <laughs> I felt like the movie went nowhere. It started nowhere. It did. It, it went nowhere. Wasn't it great? Nowhere, and then it ended nowhere. And there was just... And it was a blast and there from was, beginning to end. There, there was gratuitous amounts of blood and gore in the ending nowhere. Was it not a Tarantino you, um, movie? I mean, it was a Tarantino <laughs> yeah, movie. Have you seen a Tarantino no, movie No, I've seen them. I, I just... Um... I've seen I it. Ten not like this is getting like confrontational. It. Well, well, I'm glad that but once it, upon it a time in Hollywood helped pass the time for you. Because that, that was a yes. long, Help you pass long the time. flight. It was a long movie, so it is good for passing the time. Was this it's early in the movie. flight, middle of the flight, was, end of the flight? This was the middle of the flight. This was, this was the like dead middle point in the flight that I wanted so, to be dead in the middle. <laughs> so maybe that's not, that's not such a mean thing after all, because like as we all know, the middle, like in the middle of movies, tends to be the hardest and most difficult part of the trek. And it, and it, helped get it you got through me that, through it. So that is my nice thing. Then it certainly served its purpose. Good. Uh, wow. 
Well, Bill, we're, we're, we've been loving having you on the show. Uh, just real quick, the last two things. Uh, one, what are you working on right now that you want to share with our listeners? And then two, what are you enjoying right now? Books, movies, shows, anything? Media. Media in general. Well, I'm currently working on a, uh, a book on uh, Edith Stein. Um, and uh, the, uh, the goal of the book is to develop let's say latent possibilities for an ethical theory and her work into a more explicit, uh, ethical theory. Um, so that's what I'm working on. Um, mm -hmm. and what I'm enjoying right now, um, is that in, in the midst of all of the chaos of our world, <laughs> uh, in the midst of a pandemic, I, I do uh, get to spend more time with my family than I would ordinarily. Um, so that has mm -hmm. been, uh, a uh, very positive thing. Um, and I think there was one more part of that question. What's was my, that right? Well, anything media related. What are you enjoying? Oh, oh sorry, media related. Okay, yeah. yeah. We love your kids, but we, they're, they're not, not media. media. Okay. <laughs> to be says, consumed. Says you, wait, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, um, we, uh, my wife and I usually wrap up um, the day watching a TV show or two. Um, We've been mm -hmm. we've been watching Bones, TV show I started oh. watching back in college and then sort of dropped off, but we've been enjoying enjoying Bones quite a bit. Um, there are twelve seasons though, so I'm sure at some point it's going to get old. <laughs> <laughs> Procedurals as they were. Uh, Brendan, have you been enjoying anything new? I know last week you talked about the exorcism with your dad. What else have you been uh, enjoying lately? Uh, so, well, last week we filmed a holiday episode, which will be coming out way before this episode. And I did mention that we, that we watched um, the fourth Mission Impossible, and the next day we watched the fifth, and the next day we watched the sixth. Those are movies that just inexplicably keep getting better. Yes. Um, that sixth movie, spoiler if you've not seen Mission Impossible Fallout, but as a screenwriter, I wanted to talk to you about this because that scene at the end where Tom Cruise runs into his ex-wife, I feel like screenwriters wait their whole career to write a scene that good. Absolutely, and I think with, you know, there's a, there's a device called setups and payoffs and when you're doing writing, and you look for ways to um, give the audience little treats like that. I mean, so in the case of Moana, a setup would be the conflict of, you know... Um, what, you, what you're trying to say is thank you. And she goes, thank you. And he goes, you're welcome. The payoff is when he does oh, come fight, back yeah. and he says, you're welcome. Like that moment where it's actually genuine and he means it. That's the, so set up some payoffs. The That's payoff. what that is. So with that movie, you lose her in four, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. And then... That's kind of the setup, if you will, that gets paid off so delightfully in that movie. Like a when she later. popped out in that movie, we gasped when we saw that. Yeah, um, you are absolutely right. That and and because there are six of those movies, like you get to have that treat. But if there weren't, you wouldn't get that. But yes, absolutely. I, I tell you that that moment has such an emotional punch in the gut. It's so well acted. It's so well written. It's so well edited. Mm -hmm. Every part of that. I I saw that movie three times in theaters. The third time. I had gastrointestinal issues <laughs> towards the end, and I powered through it just to get to that scene oh. before leaving the theater to go use the restroom. That's amazing. Um, no, so I watched that. I also reread. Uh, we've talked about this off air, but I reread uh, Tom King's Miracle Man. Mister, Mir 
I reread Tom King's Mr. Miracle graphic novel. That's what it is, yeah. Which I think is is the best work of graphic fiction written in the last maybe it it's probably my favorite graphic novel. I don't know if anything captures the I don't know, despair and struggle of modern life with being married and having a family and coming through so optimistically and joyful and beautiful. I I I know you guys are probably aren't big comic readers, but if you ever want to read a comic, Tom King's Mr. Miracle is as good as it gets. Excellent. How about you? Well, for, that's for me, um, not in the comic world, but there's this anime on Netflix called Violet Evergarden, which is probably one of the most beautiful Japanese animes I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it's so, it like, I had, so I had recently watched the movie, which was like, eh, not very great, but like the series as a whole is gorgeous and exceptionally well written. Um, I love the soundtrack. Um, it heavily features the oboe, so I actually write to that music. So I recently rewatched that. So Violet Evergarden's amazing. Uh, we watched Spider-Man: Far From Home, which I missed completely in theaters, and that was a blast and it's a half. It's a fun movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, really, just enjoyed that one. And then reading-wise, I finished The Way of Kings by Brian Sanderson, which is a 1,024-page fantasy epic, which was insanely good. And then, per Urine Murph's recommendation from the last episode of Gush, I started reading um, uh, Speaker for the which Dead. Which occurred off air. Which occurred off air, yeah. Who that occurred. Who didn't follow, you know, our off air, non recorded session. Um, I know Bill and Loretta are pretty heavily into the Ender's universe. Is that correct? That's correct. I, I think we've read every single book, and they are all best one. Best one. Oh, I. That's it's a tough one because. I really like Speaker for the Dead. I think that's that that would be tied. I think that's his best one. Well, he, so it's not my favorite. Sure. I yeah, I can see that. Um I really like I, I forget the name of it now, but it's the very first in the Bean series. Um Ender's Shadow. Ender's Shadow, right. Yeah, I really like that one. Um That's a really good one. I actually I, that, I like that one. It that one yeah. I think I agree with you. Is Bean's Shadow, from his perspective, the Ender's Game story, yeah, or is that a different it's one? It's the same story. Ender's yeah. Shadow is Ender's Game from yeah. Bean. Okay. Yeah. I've only read Ender's Game, so... And after Murph went nuts about um, Speaker for the Dead, I'm like, okay, I, I better read that pretty fast. I think he said it was his favorite science fiction book of all time. I believe he did say that. His I his favorite book of all time. And surprisingly, one It's a very good Bible. book. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of this, then. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for Cinema Gush, everybody. Yeah. We really appreciate Had you guys a great listening time. in. Yeah, and Bill, thanks so much for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me. Dr. Tullius, if you would please come back and talk about Disney movies in the future, we would really I would love it. it. Yes, we I would. I would love to talk about Coco. Oh. Ooh, that would be delightful. We're going to save that for All next right. year. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. Pleasure, guys. Bye. Bye.